Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Happy New Year, already rolling into 2022. So this is Marcy, and with me, I just have Kim. Just me. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Sorry, it's just me. (laughs) It's It's so funny because I was just talking to you off air how one of my pet peeves is when people get words mixed up in terms of like they use the wrong one. I'm a journalism major, people. So it's one of my things. And I just did it myself. I should have said, I only had Kim. I knew you didn't mean anything by it. (laughs) It's just as funny. Katie Um, is off having a good time in Colorado with her family. She is, yes. So nicely volunteered to um, squeeze in a podcast. And (laughs) we thought that was totally unnecessary. Absolutely. And I have not been vicariously living through her on her stories. Usually I get the whole update of the trip and I don't know, Instagram, it's so frustrating. The people that you want to see, sometimes you don't see and the people you don't want to see, you do see. I checked in on her this morning. It looks like she's having a great time. Well, post-show. I No, and that. yummy food and a cute B&B, Airbnb. So I oh, think she's a, she looks sounds happy. glorious. So, well, speaking of trips, uh, do you have anything coming up? Because you are quite the travel yeah, I know. I know. No, not right now. We're kind of um, got some things on hold, kind of waiting to see. Um, not planning a family vacation yet this year because my son graduates from college and he's trying to like plan the next stage of his life. So we kind of we would like to go to Lake Louise this summer. I don't know if you guys know where that is in Canada. It's amazing. Um, but that's been something him and I have been talking about for years and it would feel really mean to like plan this trip. And then he couldn't go because he's been one of the proponents of us going. So we're kind of waiting to see like, if he's going to be, if whatever job he starts, he doesn't have time, we're going to pick somewhere else and we'll wait for Lake Louise till he can, he can come. So I don't know, we're going to do some kind of cool family trip. Um, I'm supposed to go to Alaska on a cruise again. This was my 50th birthday present back during uh, 2020 and it's been rebooked for this fall, but the way things are looking like, I don't know, like, is anybody going to be cruising in the, in September? So maybe I'm going to Alaska. Um, Definitely going to be doing some big hikes, but that's kind of all up in the air. I don't have anything firm. Do you have some firm stuff coming up this year for, for trips? I've got nothing. No, (laughs) not like literally zero, which is kind of sad because I love to travel. So the only thing that I am throwing around the idea of right now is going to Utah. So my assistant coach, Michaela, she and her husband just moved there. And then I have quite a few people, friends, former clients in the area that I would love to connect with. So my birthday is at the end of the month and I have no plans for that. So I thought, "Eh, do I go to Utah to celebrate my birthday? I don't know, but um, I don't know if you, what'd you say? I said, that sounds really nice. Yeah. So we shall see, but as of right now, no plans for 2022, which is kind of sad. Nothing to look forward to. I know for sure I'm going to be doing some traveling. My daughter is at the age that we need to start um, visiting colleges. So my husband and her and I have been sitting around talking about 
you know, taking a trip to DC and spending, she's actually, I've never taken my kiddo. It's only two and a half hours away. Go to all like the historical sites and then take her to do some college tours there and go up to New York city and do some college tours. So we'll be doing a lot of traveling in that way too. You should absolutely do that. And I may join you for Lake Louise. That's on my bucket list. All right. We'll put you down when we're ready to do it myself now (laughs) this summer or next it's happening. (laughs) Okay. Good stuff. Well, let's get into the episode. So in true New Year's fashion, we are going to talk about fat loss. I understand that is what most people are after this time of year. You know, the holiday season is behind us and perhaps you just aren't feeling your best and you are ready to kick things into high gear and do it differently. However, we do not want you to get caught up in the New Year's trap, all of that scammy marketing that is going to be selling you false promises about their detoxes and quick fixes. So don't buy into it. Uh, So we are going to be talking about how to make fat loss easier. And I don't love to use the word easy because let's be honest, it's not easy, but we can simplify the process And we can make it as enjoyable as possible. So I remember when I was in my last fat loss phase, which ended, I cannot believe two years ago at this point. So it it was rigorous, I will say, but at no point where I was like, man, this sucks. Like, I just wish, why did I sign up for this? You know, I was able to enjoy it pretty much the whole time. Like towards the end, yes, I was very tired because I was pushing myself past maybe where I would have or where I had intended to initially. And that required a lot more than I think most of us are going to do for just some basic fat loss. But yeah, aside from some fatigue, like I really enjoyed the process the whole way through. So we're going to dive into that and good timing because Kim herself just started a fat loss phase. Just barely yesterday was day one. I used the word just in the proper context. Yeah, way to go. Um, So, okay, you started your fat loss phase, but before we dive into what that is going to look like, I want to know from you what made you decide to pursue it again? Because on one of our episodes a couple weeks ago, I think it was the one with Jamie Morocco, where we were talking about body autonomy and how it's okay for you to do whatever you want to do to your body. You know, if you want to change it, you can change it. That's totally okay. If it's coming from a healthy place. Um, but you had said on that episode, Kim, and I know we've talked about this offline a couple of times that after your health scare last year, you know, and really you realizing like, wow, my health means so much to me, especially when I got it taken away, maybe I don't care about all of this physique stuff. And I really just want to focus on overall health and getting my strength back, what all that kind of stuff. But then you did decide to transition into a fat loss phase. And then at the end of that, you're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Not sure if I'm ever going to do this again. And now here we are. And here I am. You know, last year I felt like it was a must. I really just felt like it was a must. I was super uncomfortable in my body, you know, having laid around for as long as I needed to, to recover, putting on, you know, well over 20 pounds. I fit in nothing. I was not, I just was not, that was not the body I wanted to live in. Um, nor did I want to get an entire new wardrobe. And so I was just like, I'm going to do it. It was incredibly challenging because I never expected to find myself in a position to have to lose that much weight because like I had learned how to sustain my weight, you know, and I had not expected a long-term illness 
who does, who expects that? Um, and after doing that fat loss phase and gosh, like you said, fat loss is never easy. It literally isn't. There are ways to make it easier, but it is never easy. And um, towards the tail end of that, I was just like, I'm just done with this. I don't want to think about this. Like, I just, I don't want to think about it. I'm not interested. It is not interesting to me. And um, I did reserve the right to change my mind. And I have now. And it's just simply a matter of, I feel removed from um, the dailiness of trying to lose weight, because that's really hard. Like when you're in the thick of it, it just does sometimes feel like, I don't want to do this for another second. So I've taken a break from it and I feel fresh and ready to tackle it. And the other reason is I just, I fit in all of those clothes that I wanted to fit, but I'm just not thrilled with how I look in them. Like I would like to look like I looked in them before I got sick. And so I've decided to do a, you know, just a really discreet period of time of fat loss and however much I lose, I lose. And then I'm done. So I'm, this is not going to be an interminable, like I want to lose the last 10 pounds kind of goal. Like people have that can go on forever and years. This yeah. is literally, I've put an end point to the fat loss phase. It's 14 weeks from when I start, and then I'm going to piece out of it and head back to maintenance. Perfect. That's kind of funny because I've got this client who just now ended a fat loss phase with me. She made incredible progress. I'm so proud of her. I don't think she listens to the podcast. <laughs> she cracks me up. And as she was losing weight, you know, her clothes were starting to fit differently. So that's one way we gauge progress, not just the number on the scale. And the clothes were fitting better, but just like you said, a little bit too snug. So I can get them on, but I don't feel comfortable. And one of her phrases is, just because it zips doesn't mean it fits. <laughs> I love that. True. That is yeah. true. So, so here you are. And my, my question, are you hiring the beloved Mike Vacanti again? I, I honestly did consider it. I thought about it. I'm like, I, I was like, well, time to reach out to Mike. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to just go it alone this time. Um, and just do it. Um, I really wanted to do it in a way that I can, use myself as a teaching tool on my stories and in my, in my um, fitter after 40 group mm -hmm. um, and just really have people in the dailiness with me. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be using all the strategies and tools that I use in the course on myself and showing kind of demonstrating for people at the same time. Yes. I love that. So I'm going to take that and run with it because it may not be the most practical strategy. And I know not everybody has the ability to hire a coach or sign up for a course, whatever the case may be. But I do feel like accountability or having someone to support you on the journey is very helpful. So let's dive into that a little bit. I mean, obviously we are both coaches, so we know the importance, but Kim, why did you reach out to Mike in the first place? Like here you are, you are a coach yourself. Obviously you know what to do. You know, same with me. I, I could have lost fat on my own, but I had a coach and I continue to have a coach. So let's talk about that. Like, why is coaching valuable? Well, here's the thing. Even if a person knows what to do, because I get a lot of clients and course members, they know what to do. There's definitely a segment of people that are like, somebody just tell me what to do. I've tried everything. I don't know what works. But then I get a ton of people who are like, I literally know exactly what to do. And they're right but they're having trouble sticking to it. It's just the like, how do I actually do it? And one of the missing pieces for people is accountability. Like having somebody to hold your feet to the fire and not in any kind of negative way. But for me, the reason I hired Mike is like losing over 20 pounds. That's a big job. 
I was not thrilled that I had to do it. And I knew I would do it better and be more precise about it if I was checking in with somebody. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally pay this friend of mine money. I'm gonna give him a lot of money. And every week he's gonna be expecting to hear from me about what did I do? Do I wanna be like the, like, yeah, I didn't do it again. Like I said, I'm gonna do this. I'm literally paying you. And I said, I'm gonna do this and I didn't do the thing. No, mm -hmm. like I knew if I put my money where my mouth was and it's just kind of like putting like, for me, putting like my ego where my mouth was, am I going to like reach out to Mike and be like, yeah, I totally didn't hit my calories at all this week. Like another week didn't do it. No, like I knew I would do it if, mm -hmm. if there was somebody I was checking in with and I'm doing the same kind of thing here. I'm doing it very publicly, right? right. So I'm going to be showing my accountability calendar every day on my stories and in my group. And so I'm using all of those people as that kind of accountability, like Mike was never going to yell at me if I didn't do the dang thing. He wasn't like, he's a great guy. He wasn't, people here, eh, who knows people on social media could yell at me. I don't know. I don't know what people on social media are going to do, but most of the people are going to be really nice, but it's just the idea of holding yourself to it. We can really like, we can really be too easy on ourselves, you know? And I will tell you yesterday was a really great, uh, here's a, it's a really great example. It was literally day one. We had some extreme stressors in our house last night. Like it was really not good. Um, I still had steps I needed to get. And honestly, what I really wanted to do was sit under a blanket and eat. Like that's what I really wanted to do. And had I not like really like publicly made this declaration of, Hey, it's day one. I'm doing the thing. Here's my accountability calendar. Maybe I would have been like, I'm not getting these steps and I'll start tomorrow. Like this is, this is not a great day for this. And I'm really just going to sit and have some cookies. Maybe mm -hmm. I would have, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't like, I finished my steps. I put on an episode of Emily in Paris and paced around my house last night at 11 o'clock at night, getting my last thousand, 1500 steps in. Like, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to day one, not hit my steps. So I did it. Um, and I didn't eat the cookies because again, like it was official in my mind. Like I have accountability. It works guys. It really works. Whether it's a friend, whether you're doing it publicly on social media, whether you hire a coach, whether you join a course, whatever it is, having somebody who, you know, was waiting to hear that you did what you say you were going to do is really powerful. It is. And side note, Emily in Paris, is it really that good? My mom just raves about it. <laughs> it's okay. Like I like it enough. Like I watched the first season and right. I just happened to hear that there were new episodes and I needed something to watch um, while I walked around. Um, it's fine. I don't like ooh, love it, but I like it. Okay. Yellowstone. I love, I adore that show. Like it's addictive. Yes. Um, but I can't watch that on my own because I'm watching it with my husband. So oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so, you know, to go off of that as well, there's something about the accountability. That's really nice. I, I will be honest when it comes to my fitness, I do not need external accountability. I definitely have that intrinsic or internal accountability, the intrinsic mm -hmm. motivation, the internal accountability. Now with other types of coaching, yes, I need it a little bit more. Uh, the other reason, or I guess the reason why I continue to outsource my nutrition and my training to somebody else is because I don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that we take for granted the impact of decision fatigue and overwhelm in our life. And there is so much noise out there especially this time of year with what you should be doing. And it can be exhausting for someone, especially the person who is newer to this or has fallen victim to 
all of those quick fixes, the really, you know, intense exercise protocols that have not worked in the past. So to try to start something again and be like, I don't even know where to start is really challenging. So I think for both of us too, it's probably nice because again, we're always writing programs for other people. Like I'm going to give that to somebody else and put it in their hands. So now I have more mental capacity to actually do the work that I need to do and also not to second guess myself all the time. Yeah. That's a huge one. I mean, when people come to me, I know they really like the fact that they don't have to think about like, okay, did I really set these calories right? Like maybe I should do this because if they, if they're going to hire me, I know they trust me. And the same thing with me. Like when I hired, when I hire a coach, like I trust them. And if this is what they say the plan is, that's the plan. But when it's yourself, there can be a lot of like shiny object chasing. Like you hear somebody say something, you're like, oh, wait, maybe that's what I should be doing. Or oh, maybe that's what I should be doing. And so really um, having a plan that is set in place, that's not um, your own concoction can really be useful. Um to help you with those moments where you think maybe I should jump ship and do something else. And then put your blinders on. So stop unfollowing perhaps other coach, you know, well, I shouldn't say like other coaches accounts necessarily, but yeah, you know, like if you are constantly looking at what other people are doing, whether it's your friends, it is other coaches, Mm -hmm. you know, accounts that are putting out programs, maybe you just say, all right, for the time being, while I am in this process, I am going to commit to it fully and I am not, I'm going to block out the noise. Yeah. Not tell you how helpful that is because stress, let's be honest, stress makes a difference. And something that I've been thinking about quite a bit lately and having conversations with my clients about is we think of all these external stressors. So Kim, whatever was going on at home last night, or, you know, you're, your kids are acting crazy. You had a fight with your spouse. Work is overwhelming. Fine. Like there's just so many things that we know stress us out, but the thoughts in our mind can be even more stressful. So again, second guessing yourself, you know, wondering like, am I doing this correctly? Am I doing the right thing? You know, whatever it is, I think can, um, yeah, can really impact the way that you show up for yourself and the process in general. Yeah. I think making a definite decision, like this is what I'm committing to for X period of time is really powerful. If you're a person who has shiny object syndrome and you're constantly program hopping, making yourself commit to something, you know, picking whatever it's going to be. And then just say for eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is, this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to get partway in and then think of something else, or I'm not going to start a muscle building phase. And then four weeks in, like, no, now I'm back in a cut, like really making um, a dedicated decision. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. I love that. Okay. I'm going to throw it to you. So what is another thing that I guess you are going to be doing on your journey to make it a little bit easier on yourself? So one of the things that I get asked all the time, and I know you do too, Marcy, it's a question everybody wants us to tell them. And they think it's, they think it's the answer to what they need. And it's like, what should I eat? Right. Everyone always wants to know what should I eat? Everyone's like, I what should I eat for protein or I need a new recipe. It's like, everyone thinks that the, like the, what should I eat is the big question. And there's so much more that goes into being successful at weight loss. But I do want to put this one out there because if you're like, if that's, what's going through your mind right now, like I'm going to tell you, give you some ideas. Like what should I eat? Um, I'm not going to give you specific recipes here now, but you can certainly look at my guides on Instagram. I've got plenty of recipes, but if that's like really what you're hung up on right now, here's what I would say to do. This is how I set up my program all the time. 
the number one thing you can do is plan your meals around your protein. We have it so backwards, just the way we naturally tend to eat in America. Um, I guess Canada is the same way, <laughs> probably Europe too. I don't know, <laughs> but we just kind of, we don't think about protein. Protein is almost like an afterthought if it's a thought about it all, right? It's one of your biggest tools to um, stave off hunger in a fat loss phase. It's one of your biggest tools to make sure that you're losing what you want to lose. A fat loss phase, we want to lose fat. We don't want to lose muscle. If you don't want to lose muscle, if you want to look like a fit person at the end of this, you've got to be eating enough protein. So my number one piece of advice is to figure out your proteins. If you're like, I don't even know what I eat for protein or what I like for protein, start there. Google protein sources. You're going to get a ton. You're going to get a ton. And really then it's that easy, people. It's really, it's really that easy. Google like best protein sources. Okay. Make a list of your top 10 to 15. When you see these lists, ignore anybody who tells you peanut butter is a good source of protein. It is not, it's delicious and you can eat it, but it is not a good source of protein. And be careful with things like lentils, peas, those kinds, you can put them on your list. They should not be your mainstay unless you are a vegetarian. And then it's just way trickier to get the calories right using those as your main sources. You can do it. I've worked with plenty of people who are plant-based who do. Um, mostly. I, those should be more of like filler items, um, but things like chicken, pork, beef, eggs, Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, all these things. Think about what you like. Okay. That is really key. When we're talking about what should you eat to lose weight, the top criteria has to be you like the food. Stop picking stuff you don't like because there's no individual food you have to eat to lose weight. Newsflash, you can lose weight without ever eating chicken and broccoli. I know that's stunning, but, but it's true. So you can eat, you know, pork and peas. It does, you need protein and you need vegetables, but it doesn't have to be a certain one. So that's my first piece of advice. Get your protein self situated, write out a list of what you like to eat. That's protein. Go Google protein sources. Once you have them start plugging those in every meal should be based around protein. Pick what your protein source is going to be and build your meal based on that, getting enough of it. Because this is where people also go wrong. They'll do like two ounces of protein at a meal or something. You're never going to hit the amount of protein you need to get if you're not going to bump the, that portion size up. So if you're eating chicken breast, get enough chicken breast to get you 30 grams of protein or 40 grams of protein or 25. It's going to be different for each person, but you're certainly going to need, you know, 25 to 40 grams per meal, make that happen. Marcy, anything to add on about protein? Uh, no, I don't think about protein or anything more to add. I guess the only thing I would say is because people struggle so much to get the number that they need to get. Yeah. And like, how do I do it? It's like literally just eat a little bit more at every meal. Yeah. One ounce of chicken is one, maybe two bites. Mm -hmm. And it gets you five to seven extra grams. So don't try to reinvent the wheel and think about all these other protein sources that mm -hmm. you can include, as you said, stick to the ones that you enjoy. And then when you find those, just increase the portion slightly. Yeah. Stop. Just kind of like take a deep breath and like give into it guys. It's not as hard as people make it out to be. We can really be hard. And I think the thing that makes it really hard for people is what they're kind of not saying is, but if I eat all that protein, I won't have the calories for all the other things I want to eat. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the idea when you eat enough protein, when I have clients who really nail their protein goal, it really does crowd out a lot of the extra fluff 
that they're overeating because you're probably overeating carbs and fats. And mm -hmm. so when you're sure that you've hit your protein, it really helps ratchet down the amount of carbs and fats you're getting. You're still going to eat carbs and fats. You're just not going to have as much room um, to snack on all of those things. And that helps when you're in a fat loss phase. So that's the number one thing I'd say about eating. And then the number two thing I would say about eating is fiber. Really working on getting your fiber up is going to help you stay full in a calorie deficit. And it's going to give you that volume that you need. Yes, hunger comes along with being in a deficit, but it doesn't have to be extreme hunger. And if you get your protein right and you're getting in enough fiber, you know, somewhere between 25, 30 grams of fiber a day, you are in a really good spot to lose weight in a way that feels like, okay, I can do this because there's plenty of food. Like I'm not white knuckling it. I've got plenty of food. Mm -hmm. So that would be my next tip. And same thing with fiber. If you're like, well, how do I get fiber in? Um, I have a, I'll have a whole thing on fiber in my guides and Instagram, but you can literally just Google best top sources of fiber and they're going to be there. Um, and again, pick ones you like, and you don't have to constantly do different things. Yes. Variety is good for health, but when we're talking about fat loss, you don't have to variety can actually, um, can actually make things more challenging. So I put things on repeat. So for me, the way I hit my fiber every day is berries like raspberries in particular. Wow. Those are just like little fiber bombs, um, berries and, um, chia seeds, which you have to be careful to weigh. Um, I would not just be willy nilly eating chia seeds because they're calorie dense and then, um, eating like a high fiber bread and then getting some fruit in there. Like I make a shake with bananas in it and I have an apple later and all of that together. Like I get plenty of fiber. I get 30 to 35 grams, like no problem. So then the next thing I would say is stop chopping food off your list that you like, like stop mm -hmm. telling yourself you can't eat cookies candy cake, like literally plan that stuff in, um, plan it in. Like if you're starting today, when in the next five or six days, are you going to have like a treat that you just really love? Like, when's it going to be decide what it's going to be, put it in there and enjoy it. Um, otherwise you get to the point where you, you, and I'm not saying you will, but you will likely get to the point where you're just like this, this is terrible. Screw it. Like I'm just eating Reese cups now. Whereas if you had put the Reese cup in, day three, day four, and then once a week or twice a week from there on some people, even daily, like plenty of people have a treat daily. When I'm losing weight, I'm not typically, I have a, like a higher calorie snack daily, though it can work. And I've had many clients do. I'm usually more a couple times a week person. It just helps. It helps me to stay on track better. If I'm not having a donut a day or a Reese cup a day. Yeah, I agree with that. And when I was in my last fat loss phase, I had a higher calorie refeed day once per week. So mm -hmm. that is when I included for me, it was this thing called a honey mama's chocolate bar. It is wow. the most decadent thing you will ever eat. So I think the listeners know at this point I'm gluten and dairy intolerant. So those really fun things like pizza and donuts are off the list for me. So I found this chocolate bar that was just so decadent. And I looked forward to that every single Saturday, same thing. It was the, the chocolate bar. And then I would have a big bowl of cereal post-workout. So again, could I have cereal every day? Yes, I could, but I know that it's not as high volume as other foods that I know I also enjoy. Um, that are going to, as you said earlier, be a little bit more filling and satiating. So yeah, everybody's different. It really is a know thyself type of situation. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like you need something more indulgent every day to stay on track, then so be it. 
The other option that I like and use myself and with clients is even if it's not going to be something as calorie dense, like a donut every day, because also like when calories are lower, we don't want to crowd out space for those more nutrient dense foods. Um, because yeah, you're just not going to be as full. And so it could actually make things a little bit more challenging, but what are other like little ways that you can add enjoyment into your day? So is it like cream in your coffee or, you know, a small like avocado on your salad, just those little, you know, higher calorie things, but that aren't going to really break the bank quite so much, Mm -hmm. but it's not like I'm just having dry chicken and broccoli. Yeah. So, you know, ways to make your meals a little bit more satisfying. That's so important. And I've definitely changed over the years as a coach. I look back at my really early content from like six years ago and I'm like, what the heck were you even thinking, Kim? And what I was thinking is I have coached as many people now as I have now. And I'm like, that was dumb. Like, I'd be like, how can you get a 250 calorie salad in? Okay. Why do I want anybody to eat a 250 calorie salad? Like the stuff that makes it a nice meal is when you add the cheese, right? And like, you're not eating zero calorie dressing. Like I don't want a salad that has zero calorie dressing and no cheese and just vegetables and chicken. Like that doesn't sound appealing to me, but you know, put a salad together that has, I still, for me, it's never worth it to do like 120, 150 calorie dressing. I don't, I don't want to do that, but I do want like a 60 or 80 calorie dressing. Like I want some calories in my dressing because it (laughs) freaking tastes good. And so for me, that's a trade I make. I love having a salad with a really good dressing and I want cheese on my salad. I want feta on my salad. And for me, that makes it delicious and something I look forward to versus like, oh, another salad. Um, I think it's a really important um, guideline to follow, ladies. So as you're planning your meals, don't just make it be something you can tolerate, but find ways to make it be something you look forward to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I have one of my big protein smoothies every single day, rain or shine, hot or cold that is in my arsenal, fat loss phase or not, because I genuinely enjoy it. I look forward to it and, you know, it's sweet. So I make it with protein powder and frozen fruit and I blend it up. So it gets really fit, kind of like an ice cream. I mean, is it a real ice cream? Absolutely not, but it's just enough that it satisfies any real craving that I would have for something else. So yeah, yeah, find things that are enjoyable, fit them in. I would say in some capacity once a day, even if it is just a more basic meal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And if you're like, how am I supposed to know what works for me? You got to try it out guys. Like if you're like, I've never really been successful with this and you're like, how do I know if I'm a person who more like once, you know, a recent cup a day, or if I do better with once a week or twice a week, you try it out. So try something for two weeks, try saying like, you know what, I'm going to have a more decadent snack that it in twice a week. See how that goes. Like take some notes. Like, do you like that? Do you feel more deprived? Okay. Like let's go for two weeks where you have like a little something each day. Maybe you like that better. Um, and you keep going until you find what works for you. Um, all right. Then the next thing I would say to really be successful at a fat loss phase and people really underestimate this one. And I just swear by it. And I just, my most successful clients and course members do this. And that is pre-logging your food ahead of time. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's just, there's nothing else like it. So the night before, like before you go to bed, literally get out whatever app you're using to track on, or if you're a pen and paper person, do it like that write down exactly what you're going to eat, figure it out, base it on your protein, put your vegetables in there, put your snacks in there. And then 
there's just no waking up and trying to figure out last minute, like what works and wait, now it's late in the day and I still need a lot of protein or whatever it is. You know what the plan is and you just follow it and you can change it as needed. You know, like if you open up the the kitchen refrigerator and somebody has eaten the last of the cottage cheese, it's not like, well, now I can't eat. You just take the cottage cheese off and put something else on. But the most of the time you go in, you know what you're going to eat and you just follow the plan. It just makes the day so much simpler. I, I swear by it. Yeah, I agree. So I, I made a post back in 2020. I'm sure I'll repurpose it soon here about how to make fat loss feel easier. And I'm looking at all of the things that I added to the list. I was like, oh, look at that glaring typo. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, so like everything that we have touched on so far is what I had written about. And so I just want to make sure that like, yeah, we're checking off all the boxes here. Oh, and you know what? It was actually, now that I'm looking at the post, it was a podcast episode. How was it? (laughs) Yeah, May May of 2020. So that's funny. Wow. Um, How about that? I know. Blast from the past. But anyway, no, I think those are all great tips. And I say it until I am blue in the face pre-log your meals. You are making your life so much easier. Again, going back to what I said about the decision fatigue, Mm -hmm. and it's just one less thing that you have to think about during the day. And then you also don't get into the trap where you're logging as you go, or you're trying to log at the end of the day. Let's be honest. We all have food amnesia. Yep. Especially if you're bite looking and tasting your way through the day. So Mm -hmm. something is going to get overlooked or the Other thing that happens very often, especially when it comes to the protein is someone is not pre-tracking or pre-logging. They're going through the day, just doing whatever. And then they get, they do track at the end and they get to dinner and they're like, oh, I have 70 grams of protein and no fat and 10 carbs. And it's like, well, it looks like a protein break, protein shake, chicken breast, and maybe a couple of rice cakes. Right. Yeah. Uh, that can really ward off those kinds of issues. Pre-logging is just, it comes in so handy for that. Um, something else you said just made me think of something I wanted to say. And now I don't remember what it was. Ah, Shoot. I don't remember. It's gone. It was important guys. I'll come back to it. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure. So I'm going to veer off of the nutrition talk for just a little bit. And I want to mention something that I do think is undervalued and that is finding ways to fill yourself up that do not revolve around food. Mm. So, you know, have fun in your life, like do the things that bring you joy and yeah, just like make you excited about life because food does not always have to be the star of the show. And even though we're sitting here saying you can still include some treats from time to time, you can't have everything that you want all the time and believe that you are still going to make good progress. There are still going to have to be some sacrifices some trade-offs, whatever you want to call them. So how can you find things outside of food to look forward to, or to, like you said yesterday, um, earlier on the podcast, Kim, last night, get you through an emotional or challenging time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. And I'm sure some people listening right now are like, well, all the stuff I do for fun is involving food because a lot of people, that's how they've set their life up. I had for a really long time, um, the things that we do that we enjoy, like, oh, we go out to dinner, we um, go to the movies and that means we get popcorn. Um, we watch TV with our family and have a bowl of chips. So, so much of what our fun, relaxing downtime stuff is, is really in 
um, intricately connected with food. And if you're like, yeah, that's me. One thing that I can say that can help is to look for a different thing, a new thing that is not connected to that. And eventually you can come back around to like, I'm a person who can go to the movies and sometimes not get the popcorn. Mm -hmm. And then other times I'm a person who goes and I've planned in the popcorn, but right Mm -hmm. now it might feel really hard to be the person who sits down to watch TV without the chips. So maybe instead of watching TV, like you start being a person who reads a really good book at night in the room that doesn't have a television, it just has the sofa. Or, you know, like you start spending the time you guys would usually um, go to the movie as a family, going to mini golf as a family. So where food was not already connected, it can make that disconnection easier. And then with time and practice, you can you can come back to some of those other things, but really looking to schedule time alone and time with family and time with friends around activities that are not centered in food can be very helpful. I love that. And we've talked about this too, about practicing. So I want all of my clients, you know, the listeners to really build self-trust around food so that they can have any food in their house at any time. They can be around it at a party or wherever the case may be, where they cannot control their environment and trust that they can make good choices, that they are not going to overeat all of that. However, we know that it doesn't always work that way. It doesn't start off that effortlessly. So you do have to practice. You do have to realize that you are going to make mistakes. You're not going to be perfect. So accept that, allow for that, but maybe it is not the best time to practice when you are in a fat loss phase. Mm. Yeah. You know, and accepting that all the stuff around being successful at fat loss, you're having to practice all of that stuff. And I know that can feel really weird to people because people just expect like, I'm a human being and I eat food. Like I should know how to do this. But for so many years, we've taught ourselves to eat in a way that has caused us to gain weight. So what would make you expect that you would, it would just naturally come to you to eat in a way to even maintain weight? let alone lose it. And so just be accepting of the fact that you are going to need to practice and that you will get so much better over time. You know, the learning curve can feel really steep at the beginning, but um, you're going to learn faster than you think. And it's going to be bit by bit, line upon line. And over time, you're going to have just a whole set of skills um, that you didn't have before that I can make this again, the word I would use is easier. It's not going to make it easy. Fat loss is never easy, but it will make it easier. Right. And another thing to make it easier talking about environment curation is get all those foods that are tempting. If you can't get it out of like out of the house completely because your husband, your kids, whatever, then find a way to, yeah, get it out of your first line of vision. So I know Kim, like you'll put things in the garage or something like that, you know, like out of sight, out of mind. There's, um, There's definitely people who would hear that and be like, that's ridiculous. Everybody has to learn to be moderate with the food. You should be able to have it right there and eat it in moderation. And that is the eventual goal. Likely, if you're a person who has typically overeaten and you're at a point where you need to lose weight, you're not there right now. And there's no reason to make this harder on yourself. Ultimately, the goal would be to have all the food that you would like to have in your house, in your cupboards, and you be a person who can eat those foods moderately. You need to practice your way there. And in the beginning, just keeping them there can be really challenging and it can be hard to get that foothold. So yeah, the foods that are really trigger foods for you used to be chocolate Pop-Tarts for me and it used to be pretzels for me and it used to be sugar cereal for me. Um, Take them out for a time. Talk to your partner about that. Explain why that's important. 
You don't even have to mention it to your kids. You just stop buying those things and you start buying them other things. They don't, they don't need to know why there's not chocolate pop tarts now. And there's suddenly a cinnamon roll pop tarts. That's my, my kids really like those. I would never eat those in a million years. Okay. Like you can just make these changes and you don't have to bring it up with your kids over time. You're going to be able to practice bringing those foods back in. And to do that, you're likely going to have to start eating them out of your house. Like when you're at your mother-in-law's have a chocolate pop tart and practice having just one and putting them back. And over time, you'll be able to bring all the foods back in, but yeah, there's just no reason to right now have cookies on the counter and candy in the cupboard. Um, if those are the things you struggle with, keep them in your, in your rotation of foods, but just go out and have them where it can be much more controlled. Mm -hmm. And then practice having them when you are in a more well-fed state, when you are not in a calorie deficit, when you are not quite as stressed out, all of that. So really great tips for sure. So I know we're about ready to wrap it up, but one last thing that I want to actually get your opinion on Kim, because you are a, a client or ha- were a client of Jordan Syatz. And I know that he has a little bit differing of an opinion sometimes, like when it comes to how you start out your fat loss phase, and he doesn't do this for everybody. So I know that if someone has had, you know, issues with disordered eating or they're really like food focused, he would not use this as a strategy, but the rapid fat loss. So I say a way to make fat loss easier is to set your calories as high as you can to start. And then when progress stalls, you lower them because I would not want someone to go into a fat loss phase and they're like really hungry from the jump because they're started off at 1200 calories. By the way, if you are calculating your calories on your own, you don't have a a coach, do not use my fitness pal. They are going to give you 1200, no matter how much you weigh, or just don't say that you want to lose two pounds per week. Um, so yeah. What is your thought on rapid fat loss protocols to start a fat loss phase? Uh, I think they're appropriate in some situations. Absolutely. I mean, there's research to back that up. If you're a person who has a substantial amount of weight to lose, doing a more, um, aggressive, um, start to your fat loss phase where you can get that weight coming off faster, uh, can actually work better. So those are situations where I use them. I absolutely have clients who I've used like short, rapid fat loss phases with, um, and then we raise calories as time goes on. Um, if you're a person and you're not somebody who has, um, a ton of weight to lose, definitely. If you're somebody who's like, I have 10 or 15 pounds to lose. I'd even say if you're somebody who has you know, like 50, 60 pounds to lose. It's probably not the best way to go. Finding a way to just more moderately eat in a deficit would be my go-to. I really only offer rapid fat loss phases to people who, you know, like I've got hundred pounds to lose. I've got 150, I've got 200 pounds to lose. Those people are good candidates for a rapid fat loss phase and, and it can often work. It can often work well for them, but otherwise I'm definitely a fan of, um, a more moderate deficit. And that doesn't have to mean at a snail's pace. Like you don't have to, um, you don't have to be losing ridiculously slow, but anywhere, again, depending on how much you have to lose anywhere between a half a pound to two pounds per week is a good place to aim for. If you, again, are one of these people who want to lose 10 or 15 pounds, do not expect to lose two pounds a week. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. but if you have more to lose, you can be up there. Exactly. Yeah, I, that is my approach as well. So glad we were on the same page. And I obviously, you do not, you're not going to start a rapid fat loss protocol for yourself, correct? No, I am no. not. <laughs> I'm not doing a rapid fat loss protocol. I'm just doing a steady pace, like same calories a, across the 
across the times. Um, wow. No big change. I am actually have decided to start off not calorie cycling. I typically do calorie cycle, um, but, and it's, it's my, it's my go-to for most people because mm-hmm. most of the time people want to have like freedom to like go out to eat and have more calories in some days and more calories in others. I'm just doing straight deficit this time for the first couple of weeks, because I'm still really struggling um, with my health as far as that dang GERD I got last year as a part oh, of having goodness. COVID. Um, it reared its head first of December. And I just still, I tried a chocolate protein shake yesterday just to see Mm-mm, that's a no-go. I can't, I can't, oh. I can only eat very minimal amounts of chocolate. Like if something had a little bit of chocolate chips, I could do it. And I can't eat the whole other list of foods that are on like a GERD, non-GERD diet. It's like no lemon, no onion, no greasy food. Like it's a lot, the list is extensive of what I'm not allowed to eat and still feel good. I feel so much better now. I was really sick for a couple of weeks in December because I had eaten some of this stuff and literally eating anything would make me sick. Drinking water would make me sick. And so now I'm to the point where I'm really stabilized and I want to keep it there. So my list of foods I can eat and not get sick, I'm keeping it really small. So there's just no reason for me to have like more calories on one day versus another. Cause I really, I'm not branching out here. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I hope that that resolves itself very quickly because I know how uncomfortable it can be. I suffered with it for many years myself. Yeah. I'm hoping it went away last year after a good, it was, it was a solid 10 weeks of eating none of the stuff. And then little by little, I introduced it over months. And then I got back to a really comfortable place and apparently too comfortable. And, (laughs) and I got lazy with what I should be eating in versus not. Well, that's okay. It happens to the best. Lesson learned. Even coaches. So (laughs) All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up there. So for any of you who are heading into a fat loss phase, we hope that this was helpful and that you will be best set up for success to make it as effortless or easy, enjoyable of a process as possible. All right. Thanks so much for hosting Marcy. This was a great chat. You're welcome. Bye Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.